From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me this week, as most weeks, I have Jeff Goodnow. How you doing, sir? I am doing pretty darn good, sir. Awesome. I want to talk about a couple things and then key it over to Jeff to take it on from here. Um, we are a TAMP. That, that's been pretty clear. Uh, however, we also offer our models on other TAMP platforms. So while we compete on one side, we wholeheartedly support the TAMP space and all of our great partners. And one of the things we want to do today is, is highlight one of those great partners because it's been a phenomenal relationship and we think that this TAMP is best in class. And we don't have big egos to sit here and, and, and say that Union UMA is the greatest thing ever. We, we, there's no problem with us, either one of us, admitting that sometimes there's other TAMPs that are better suited for you, uh, given your business. Uh, and so, you know, we want to highlight one of those today. So with that being said, Jeff, uh, InvestNet is one of our great partners. Uh, give us some history on, on, on them in general. Yeah, sure enough. So... <clears throat> You know, there's there's always debate about first to market or not, but the reality is, right, they've been around as long as anybody. So, um, you know, clear back in 1999, which is a flashback in and of itself, if to, to think, you know, you're talking about, you know, more than a decade. Uh, it's pretty crazy. So in 99 is when InvestNet started, right? A group, group of folks got together and said, hey, we've got an idea. Uh, let's quit having, like, my old world where you sent paperwork out to each and every manager on its own and everything was unique and every process was unique. And said, let's let's make it one process, and have multiple strategists available. Seems like a simple concept. Um, they were pretty successful at that, obviously. And uh, by 2011, uh, I think it was interesting because, you know, essentially they started this acquisition process. And and I know one of the things that you and I were laughing about before we really talk about the acquisitions was they have on their website, and we'll include this link in the show notes a picture, a nostalgic picture of their original website or very close to their original website. It's pretty funny. We were getting a chuckle about it earlier. Uh, so so I definitely hope that uh, maybe we can do a flyover on this, but uh, take a look at it. It's pretty funny. Um, now, in 2011, they started doing acquisitions, and they've been continuing that because the concept wasn't just, hey, let's let's have a lot of managers in one spot, but uh, you know, they added PMC as a due diligence arm, and then suddenly it was like, wait a minute, we have other needs for advisors, right? Advisors need to do financial planning and, and uh, aggregation from other types of accounts. So, you know, they added uh, Yodely and, and Tamarack for reporting and, and by 2019 had added uh, MoneyGuide Pro as a financial planning tool. So that, you know, that process of acquisitions has increased to make InvestNet a one-stop shop. And uh, our buddy Mike Thrasher did a report last year, I think it was July in, in uh, RA Intel, and showed the TAMP size, right, in our space. And InvestNet is clearly the largest uh, elephant in the group. Uh, I think $185 billion based on his report or something crazy well, like let that. Well, me, let me ju- jump in here for a second. I, I didn't, when you posted this image, I was I was a little taken back that uh, that's amazing that they're at $185 billion And the next largest yeah. one is $72 yeah. billion. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the reality is they're they're as large as the next you know two, three, four competitors combined. So I mean, it's just not even close, just not even close. And so we're gonna d- well, dig we're into some we're of that. we're we're nipping on their heels. We're <laughs> nipping on their heels. Hey, give us a couple weeks. We'll be there. 
Um, and and so so I think at at this point, I mean that's a little bit of history, right? We want to kind of set the foundation, if you will. And so we want to talk about a couple of the things that were a couple of the acquisitions, the additions to their system that were sort of game changers in in adding. Again, it's like, okay. Hold on, hold on. Before you go on, before you go on, I think I'm looking at this image yeah. on my screen here, and I just let's just hold on this is amazing like so investment is 185 yeah. billion sei is then 72 asset mark 55 charles schwab i mean i don't know why they're on here <laughs> but let's assume that they consider itself a tamp 50 morningstar 38 buckingham 30 brinker 22 sawtooth 11 i guess um ops this is an older one needs to be on here added right. to brinker and then the funny thing is the rest of the industry down there at 45 billion i mean they just completely dwarf right everyone so i don't know this is we should post do we have a new do you have a new version of this yeah so this was july when mike came out with that article it was july of last year so i know that seems like forever ago but you're only talking about you know seven eight months um it's it's really not not a not an old one now of course they're gonna if i recall and i can't give you a particular stat i probably should have looked it up but i think when you look at assets under administration right when you start looking at what they also with the money guide pro things that they're grabbing and scraping and pulling in they're they're they start looking at trillions it's nuts um but anyway that said it's the largest uh, tamp on the planet bar none and uh you know and we think there's a couple of things that really stood out uh one of which you know we can talk about a little bit was tamarack and that was just a billing and reporting engine so i mean you've done a lot more of that kind of work than i have you have any thoughts about about why that would have been a good addition uh when they did that a number of years ago yeah, just like when any tamp grows, uh, you, you start coming to the point where you can either build it or buy it, right? And all the major tamps are going through that transition right now. And a lot of times it already exists on the market and it's easier just to acquire and fold them in. And listen, these guys are all smart people. They can just <laughs> as easily make these tools themselves. But, you know, what's faster to market, to make the tool yourself or acquire and, and fold it in? That's actually a debatable question. I'm not really sure because we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of failures. <laughs> yeah. But they just have enough. They have enough bandwidth to to swallow companies. Um, and so so the the Tamarack deal was great, not only for uh, billing reporting, and I I don't know the details on how they're using the the CRM functionality and things like that. Uh, but but it was a fantastic yeah. acquisition from from all. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think they're. Their two best acquisitions were, were starting basically starting with PMC right out of the gate. I mean, like 2001 or something for due diligence, right? To bring that extra level of due diligence into the process once they realize that, hold on a second, like there are hundreds if not thousands of managers that we may be able to bring on. We need to be able to filter through that that uh, and, and actually have a process. So uh, Tamarack is the other one because, again, just to make sure that you've got good quality billing and reporting and, and realize now, I mean, that was back in 2012. Now there are groups that will actually outsource to Tamarack without using InvestNet. So it's sort of its own engine even, uh, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So they've really done a good job at creating several different plays from one playbook, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so there's another one, though, that obviously is more recent. And, and really was part of the fire that had started with uh, several custodians and, and obviously in this case a TAMP, which is buying financial planning software, right? Fidelity got eMoney, uh, InvestNet got MoneyGuide Pro, Orion bought Advisor. So, you know, any thoughts on, uh, on, on the acquisition of or bringing financial planning and wrapping that into the TAMP space? 
It's 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 necessary, right? We we talk to advisors all the time for our own TAMP, and we're like, look, the ability to run financial plans and next to your investments is critical because we've been on record saying that integrations don't really work, and the people that have this separated uh, end up kind of scrambling with all these broken connections. So being able to have the financial planning that natively integrates um, with your own software when it comes to reporting. Uh, has been a slam dunk. So I think they they first, and then Orion followed suit. And now I think Asset Mark just bought one out of out of Texas. I forget the name. Um, that's going to be the the way forward for a lot of these tamps to have all these services bundled in an all in one place. And I think that's the best way to go. Yeah. Well, for, we've for and tamps. we've been on record repeatedly as saying integrations aren't uh, exactly the. <laughs> Uh, the bee's knees so you know if you can instead just uh, just put it together from the word go it's a it's a it's a better deal and and get that happening so that the systems are talking because they're owned by the same company um but uh but yeah that's yep. that's that's a that's a pretty good uh a pretty good roundabout there on on investnet so one of the things that we want to look at is it, you know I, I mentioned earlier like making multiple plays out of one playbook what is let's talk about another way that they have found to be successful and i, I and that's you know, uh, looking at customizing. Uh, you want to speak to customization in the broker-dealer space? Well, so one of the unique things they did is the white labeling. So they they early on gave broker-dealers the ability to use their technology and slap their logo on it. I take that back. I make it sound so simple. <laughs> they can white label, put put their logo on it, but also customize inside uh, uh, in terms of manager availability and some of the functionality. That was critical to me in their growth because, you know, broker dealers and other large RAs, we're all fiercely independent. Yes, we want to use technology, but we don't want your name all over it. We want our own spin on it. And so I think that was huge for them and, and still to this day. I mean, we work with a ton of platforms and the advisors don't even know it's Investnet. Right. Because we'll ask them, you know, hey, you know, do you know we're available on Investnet? You know, they'll come back to us and like, what What do you mean? You know, I, I my money's on so-and-so platform. Right. And I think that speaks volumes, right? They, they, they were able to just blend into the background and let the broker-dealer or RA's uh, name and brand come first. Yeah, well, name and brand and, 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 and frankly, select what a strategist might be available. So whether they're using the PMC diligence or they have their, a couple of extra relationships or whatever, it gave them the tools to be able to create something that works for that particular environment with that particular set of advisors. And so, you know, like anything, right? Uh, we we kind of joke that having a thousand managers is a pro, but having a thousand managers is also a very big con. So, you know, how how do you do that? Well, that's what some of the broker dealers have done: just make their own uh, environment. And and frankly, we love we love things like my advice architect with uh, with a Satera. You know, that's been a that's been a real boon. We have a lot of advisors that. Uh, that we have good relationships there. So, uh, any other thoughts on the the BD space and that customization process? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think that moving on, one of the other big things, in my opinion, that has, has made them successful is their embracing of uh, emerging managers. Uh, and we've learned this firsthand where some of the TAMPs look down on us, right? Because we're not a multi-billion dollar shop. We don't have 90 CFAs looking at economic data all day for no reason. Um, and... <laughs> And, preach it, and brother. So preach it. We do. No, we get we get looked down upon, yeah. and I get the whole you know, what's your succession plan? Yada yada yada. Like, what's yours? You know, like, and so invest that early on. 
really embraced emerging managers. Now, look, that didn't mean that they opened the floodgates and let anyone in. There were some requirements, but they embraced it. And then they let the BDs decide who they wanted to add, which I think is great. Like, for look, our portfolios are on InvestNet, but they're not everywhere. Correct. There's actually a ton of broker-dealers where they're not available because a broker-dealer won't add it until there's request or demand. And I just thought that was really good early on for them to take that approach of embracing smaller managers. It just helps with distribution. Um, and if I can keep going, there's one more thing yeah, yeah, that I want to add here. Uh, along with the emerging manager, they have released a tool that we just signed up uh, they bought a company called Wheelhouse Analytics. I'm pretty sure they bought this company um, and, and folded it in. And we get so much data from them in terms of where the money's coming from, deposits, flows, names, states, everything. And this sounds silly, but we have models everywhere and rarely do people provide this amount of data. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the data is so bad. It's once a month or whatnot. And I'm not throwing shade. We don't provide great data either for our managers because it's, it's, we just don't have it built out. They have it built out. It's phenomenal. And it helps managers really hone in on where they should be focused on when it comes to um, talking to advisors from investment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and obviously, that's you know, there's a cost. But again, uh, about those uh, plays, they've figured out another revenue source. Like, hey, if we're gonna, we're gonna, we're going to uh, offer something like this. Well, it's so much more beneficial that uh, that there is a value, and you and I agree that it's a huge value and it's worth paying for. So, uh, pretty cool stuff, right? Because uh, we want to make sure we know the folks that are using our services and and uh, make sure that we can connect with them as they want to connect. So correct. Well, let me let me toss something back right. to you since you talk to most of the advisors. Um, I have a lot of conversations with industry contacts, other TAMPs, and one of the things that always comes up, they ask me, you know, we've heard that you guys are on Investnet. For some reason, I don't know how they're hearing it, but they they hear that you're doing really well. And so, how do you think? And we'll jump into some stats. How do you think that we have worked with Investnet? so successfully uh what what are the key triggers you think that that really um you know fueled it yeah well i mean uh, it's it's interesting because we've been on this couple year journey as a firm and without going too deep into to, to content it's a matter of the fact that we have changed the way that we communicate with advisors in 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 just the conversation alone and let me give you a quick example it's 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 just not about making a pitch for Potomac, 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 Potomac. It, it's simply a conversation that, yeah, we happen to have some things that we think are valuable uh, to an advisor, but we're asking questions and finding out what things are, what strategists and managers are already using. And then, you know, offering that to, to extend that conversation, maybe we can help optimize that combination. That, yeah, it might include Potomac or might not, but I think it boils down to the honesty of that conversation of the honesty of the discussion, that we're not just trying to jam Potomac down an advisor's throat, that suddenly there's um, a little bit more trust, a little bit more respect. And, you know, in the end, right, everybody talks about, uh, advisors always talk about, well, the best line of marketing is referrals. And that's that's basically a lot of what we get because we have the, we build those relationships and then we're getting, I've got another one waiting in my inbox right now, another referral from someone who's, uh, you know, looking to uh, share another name of an advisor that he knows. Um, that he thinks we should uh, have some communication with. So it's that's that's the biggest to me. It's the the type of communication that we're having. There's no sales pitch involved. We make no outbound well, that's calls. So let me. So that that's that's so. It, 
that's my point is that we just stopped trying. Yeah. Um, and and I, know, I know that sounds weird, but in the early days, we would get a report that said a new advisor is using us. We would call them and leave a message and say, hey, thanks for the business, yada, yada, yada. And and then we wouldn't get here back, and we would get frustrated. We're right. like, why, why do we even do business with these people? They won't talk to us. And, and then it ju- we just quit. We said, look, we're going to put out content. We're going to put out blogs, YouTubes, emails, whatever, and do what you want. You want to talk to us, reach out. We're here. You know, We'll provide as the best service we possibly can, but we're not going to call you, and we're not going to attempt to call you. And honestly, it's worked because – it's easier on us, right? We don't have to always put these processes in place to chase people down. Right. And I think advisors appreciate it because like they don't, the advisors I talk to don't want to be harassed. It's like, look, I, I know how to type in a website address. You know, I know how to open my email. Like, if I want to talk to you, I'll call you. Um, and so I think it's a combination to your point earlier of the non-biased uh, help that you provide, particularly uh, the recommendations and whatnot. And also kind of the laid back approach of inbound marketing. Um, you know, what's funny to me in talking to you is I see a lot of proposals, uh, you know, going out the yeah. door and I'm like, these, these guys have access to proposal systems. Yeah. They have Riskalyze, they have their own broker dealer, they have Investnet, they have all these proposal systems and they're calling us to generate it because they, because of the fact that we're not just selling our own shit. And I, I think it, it, uh, it, it speaks volumes. And so what, what, what do we, I mean, well, I want to, I want to add one more thing here. I want to add one more thing. And that's, that's something that I don't think you or I, either one really had a grasp for until again, we, we just basically changed the process and how we communicate. And, and that is some of the best relationships we have are actually ironically with other money managers, right? Because the, the world exists and that when I'm having these conversations, all of a sudden, other groups are figuring out that they're getting money, uh, you know, because of a, a combination. Let's say, as an example, that we put together, and they didn't, frankly, do much work. They didn't do any work to get that money. Right now, they're going to go out and build the relationship and right and offer their services and so forth, and that's great. But it's that respect, mutual respect between firms that are willing to talk about each other, and that I think is starting to expand. And so likewise, we've actually gotten some referrals and some business from other managers that are saying, hey, we're good at what we do, but have you also considered Potomac, right? And so it it works, you know, it's sort of like you throw the football out and to play catch, it's going to have to come back. And that's what we're seeing. And I don't think you or I really expected that to be the case, that we would have, uh, you know, as good of relationships with some other third-party managers, Um, you know, because a lot of times it can be seen as an adversarial relationship, and, and we take a different approach to it, and it's it's working. So, yeah, just like my shirt, don't be a Richard. You know, work <laughs> with people and be nice. So, uh, but uh, oh. but look, so statistics. Let's so when we talk about phenomenal growth, and we'll have some news coming out about this. But essentially, as of this recording, the year-over-year growth for our portfolios on investment has been roughly nine hundred seventeen percent, and so. A lot goes into that. Woo-hoo! You know, it's everything. Hold right? on, just a minute. We People, gotta throw up some yahoos oh, in gotta here. Make you, know? a, you gotta make a make a gif, <laughs> um, make a jiffy. It's uh, it's listen. It's uh, it's it people process product, right? There's a lot of reasons that that. Uh, that this happens, um, but that's what we wanted to talk about today: is is the power of of a of an 
industry leading tamp, um, why we think they're successful and, and how we work with them. And I think we cover those topics. Yep. So let's, let's jump into recommendations. What's, what's going on in your world? Yeah, I've got a completely different one and it's something that frustrated the crap out of me because I'm, I'm absolutely okay with doing plumbing and handiwork and construction and, and whatever. Uh, but I needed to change out one of the faucets. It was a choice. It wasn't cause it was broken, but we just thought, you know what, let's just, just make a nice little upgrade. And so we bought a nice new Delta faucet. Well, that's all nifty. Uh, I hadn't worked with, with PEX before, which is just a different kind of tubing or piping. And when I tried to do some of the, what I'll, for lack of a better phrase, I'll call it old school uh, connections, it just wasn't working right. It just, the, I mean, look, I've got, I had a PEX tool, got all the whatever. I won't bore you with that, but it just wasn't working. And I was getting a little bit frustrated. And so finally I decided I'd been to Home Depot and Lowe's, and both of them have these really huge sections in the plumbing area with stuff called shark bite. And I ignored it. I ignored it. I got to admit, both stores, I ignored it. And after a couple of trips, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I give. I got I to gotta actually look at this. So before I went, to, went back again, I did a couple of YouTube videos. And what struck me was this. It was a prof- I saw this with a, a huge number of views. A professional plumber saying, here's the reason I don't use shark bite. And basically, he says, look, I, if somebody's going to pay me a professional certified plumber, I got to do this this particular way. I, they shouldn't pay me what they have to pay me to be able to go to the store and buy this little connection and go boop and push the pipe in on both sides and it works and it's good forever. And I thought, well, that's not a why shouldn't I use it? That's a hell of an endorsement if you think about it. So I bought a couple of these, not knowing whether they would work worth a crap or not. And literally what had taken most of the day in frustration because some of this other stuff just wasn't working right and I, I was done in five minutes. I mean, it literally was pop it on. It's watertight. It's sealed. It's done. It even wrote. I mean, it, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, yeah, it's expensive stuff. But if you're doing any plumbing work around the house or RV or whatever, yeah, look at Shark Bite. Uh, I, I absolutely am in love. And I don't think I will ever use any regular fixture again. Um, we Just figured out a way to get connection. RV into the podcast again. So I, I, I held off as long as I could, bro. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> what do you so, got? Uh, my recommendation, shout out to my wife, uh, Shakeology, which is like a protein shake. Um, and it's expensive as hell because they say they put all these different, you know, hippie ingredients into it. Um, <laughs> but, but it's awesome. And if really? you ever have, if you have, if you ever have problems pooping, um, uh, just do like a one to two week Shakeology regimen and, and your pipes will be clean as can be. Wow. How did we both end up with plumbing issues? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I think we should I think we better stop. We yeah. get fired. All right. All right. Have a nice day. Bye. Out. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 